Ephesians 1, 18, verses 18 to 19. I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Thank you. Thank you. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's pray. Let's pray uh, for this time. Uh, Father, I just pray certainly that you would um, definitely speak clearly. Um, uh, your word would, would, would go forth clearly from my lips. Uh, I pray that it will go forth accurately as well. I pray that our hearts will be prepared and challenged to, um, to hear it. And, and ultimately, I pray, Father, that we would apply it um, to our lives, um, even if it means just realizing who we are in Christ and what that means for us and how we ought to live. And it's in the name we pray. Amen. I mean, if you have your Bible, you can turn to it. It may be on the screen too as well. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. If you have your eye touch, whatever, that's the reference. Okay, Ephesians just two, two verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. We're going to start with 18. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So, what is Paul emphasizing with the expression of the eyes of your heart? What does the eyes of your heart mean? Does anyone have a clue when you hear the eyes of your heart? Hmm? Hmm? Yep. Okay. The heart in our Western Hemisphere, right? The heart in our Western Hemisphere represents, um, in most cases, the core of our physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental operation of values. All right? Mostly, in most cases, in our Western Hemisphere. Now, there are certain other hemispheres um, that I've heard that they wouldn't even say, um, you know, I love you with all my heart. They would probably say, I love you with all my bowels, because that's what they consider the center, you know? But in our Western, it, it, with our Western Hemisphere, we consider the center of a person's, um, uh, uh, I guess, core values, uh, the heart. Okay? So, with our heart, we can choose to block out and utterly reject favorable emotion towards someone we don't like. Or, vice versa, we can choose to show a lot of emotion towards someone uh, we, we like and we have a crush for, even though they may not want it, but we can do that. Right? With our heart, we can choose to believe or not believe someone's, someone's words that are spoken to us. With our heart, we can deceive ourselves in believing that we are good people because we are not as bad as some people. Right? With our heart, we can be completely cut off from God and His commandments and even not be aware of it, which is scary. Because in our hearts, if we're so self-deceived, and thinking, oh, I'm doing what God wants me to do, but we're completely doing it differently, um, then we're completely way off for what God wants us to do. So it's quite similar in biblical references. The heart is considered to be the seat. This is from Believer's Church Bible Commentary. It says the heart is considered to be the seat or centerpiece of emotion, will, and understanding. You guys like that? The seat. All right? Um, so, we see again the hands of God at work in us, revealing to us the components of his mysterious plan and how it impacts our lives for his glory. So, Paul is saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. What is enlightened? Okay? 
Enlightened is, in the original language, means to give greater knowledge and understanding too. Alright? It enlightens, you know, it opens up so that you can gain knowledge to what you didn't know before. Okay? Um, it's from the original word, fortizo, um, to shine, to light up, to illuminate. Okay? So Paul is praying that we will have divine illumination, right? And why? Why is he praying for divine illumination? We shall, so that what? What else? Okay, all right. So we're going to look at the first one. Paul is praying that we will have food that God will give us divine illumination on what is the hope, the person we're going to look at, the hope of his calling. What is hope? When you hear the word hope, what is hope? H-O-P-E. Hope. Huh? What? Chill, yeah, they have male cheerleaders. They do. Anyway, we only got five minutes. All right. What is hope? What is hope? What is hope? To believe in something. To believe. You're proof for it. Okay. To believe in something. Okay. All right. All right. Hope. Okay. Okay. Hope is looking forward to something with some reason of confidence. Right? Expecting some kind of fulfillment. All right? That's like... You know, Christmas is coming around, and we all know it's not about the presents and the gifts and all that stuff. But we still, but we still look forward to that gift, Santa Claus. Which Santa Claus? Santa Claus. Santa. Juggle up those words a little bit, and you will get another name. Anyway. 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 Okay, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Okay. So, what do you normally hope for? Guys, we only got like four minutes. What do you normally hope for? And you staff help me out. What do you normally hope for? Do you hope for bad things or do you hope for good things? Good things. You never hope for bad things? Like you never hope that. You never hope to be sick so that you don't have to go to school, so that you don't have to take that exam? Okay. Okay. Deep, deep. Alright, so for the church in Ephesus and us believers today, our hope is rooted, anchored in the promises of God. And those promises are based on the free gift of salvation and eternal life that we have in Christ. And the promises of us one day being united and glorified with Christ. And that's our hope. You know what I mean? That's, you know, as a, as a believer, you know, that's what we're hoping for. We're just waiting to be united, glorified with Christ. No more exams. No more pain, no more illnesses, uh, you know, just no more heartache, you know, losing family members, um, losing close friends, you know, just like no more, um, no more pain and, you know, the hope. So that's the hope now of his calling. That's the hope that we have of his calling. All right. When you hear and read a reference call in a Greek, that's kaleo. All right. And that just means to identify by name. All right. That's like, you know, they call me what? Who am I call? Okay, Michelo, alright? Michelo, Michelo, Michelangelo, Michelle, but Mickey, Mish, whatever, alright? So, you know, it's a designated name, right? But the term calling is used in several different, uh, um, instances. And you know what? I can't, I can't go through the several different instances because we don't have time, alright? But here is referring to, um, 
a divine calling. It's like God choosing, God calling, drawing us to himself. All right, and those who respond to his call to accept Christ, uh, you know, that's, that's what that calling, uh, Cleses is, when he says that calling, it's that divine in, invitation um, from God. And we see this in Hebrews 3, I didn't tell it guys, it's in Hebrews 3 verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and our high priest of our confession. All right, so it's a heavenly calling, it's a, it's a divine calling, where he says the hope of his calling um, uh, that's what he's referring to, the calling that God uh, gives out to us, to draw us unto himself. The second point Paul prays for, so there's hope, okay? So, so our minds to be illumined, enlightened to the hope that we have of his calling, so the hope. The second part is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, all right? Uh, and the riches, that word there means just abundance, abundance of wealth, extreme generosity, rich blessings, just like saturated, like you're just saturated with Aunt Jemima's syrup, you know, it's just like, oh, and it's just rich. That's the first thing that came to my mind, that's the first thing. I, I, I prefer, what, is that right? It's sticky, it's sticky, it's sticky. All right, we're rich. Okay, so now this word. Okay, bring it back. Okay, and this word inheritance is the word that we know traditionally today, which is when someone has an inheritance because they're an heir to an inheritance because they the property is promised to them. Okay, so and that word is kleronomia. You guys want to remember that, but it's just helpful to know. Okay, so. So that's in here. So Paul is praying that our hearts, eyes, will be open to see and fully comprehend the vast abundance of God's rich promise inheritance we have in Him through Jesus Christ. Can anything compare to our heavenly inheritance? Can you can you compare anything right now to what awaits us as believers in heaven? No. What What about like? What about like uh, what about like ten billion dollars? That's not enough. What about what about Paradise Island? Like just all of it? That can't. All right. So you guys are saying nothing can compare. So you guys are saying nothing can compare to our. Heavenly inheritance. Yeah. Right. So are we are we living that way though? Right? You know, are we you know, because although I know that's true, trust me, I would still like to have a nice, sleek, smooth, smooth curves, sharp lines, car, you know, just you know I don't have to worry about Things going wrong with it because it's 15 years old, right? Verse 19. Verse 19, as we wrap up. Verse 19. Verse 19. Verse 19. Paul concludes with He prays that we would know the hope of his calling, that we would know what are the. That we would know 
what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that's us. The third thing is, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now, we all know, those who have read, you know, the Pauline letters, and those who even know what the Pauline letters are, like, you know, Philippians, Ephesians, that we're reading, um, Corinthians, Romans, um, and some other ones. Uh, Paul uses vibrant parts, vibrant parts of speech, right? Uh, in a lot of his writings. And by that I mean, sometimes he, group, he groups these, these, uh, these words, um, to emphasize a point of description, you know, a state of being or, or meaning. To his audience. So when we read the word surpassing, we understand this to mean to go beyond, right? And, and in the original language, it's exactly what it means. It means a degree which exceeds extraordinarily a point on an open scale. So it's like it's just far beyond, all right? So Paul's, Paul's saying, and what is the surpassing greatness? Just far beyond that we can ever measure. And he said, of his power. And, uh, and following that adjective, uh, you know, he comes across the word greatness, uh, the, the surpassing greatness, and and greatness is just a quality, uh, quality, uh, quality that exceeds the standard of excellence. So Paul is just saying this vast, perfect power uh, that God has towards us. So what does that mean, right? What does you know? What does that mean? The hope of our calling, um, the glory. Of the inheritance that we have, um, that we have as saints in Christ, and His power uh, towards us. And what I want to reference is this power is not a power that is in us. This is God's power directed to us, as His power to help us. So we as believers have an incredible, wonderful hope in God's calling, a promising. Glorious inheritance and an exceedingly tremendous power towards us. If your eyes have not yet been opened, and maybe just tonight, and which I hope it is, knowing that, let us live a life that indeed is enlightened to the truth of what Paul's prayer was, so that we would know. That we would know the hope of his calling, that we would know what is the glory of his inheritance in us and the surpassing greatness of his power towards us and him who believe. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for um, your word. And uh, I just pray that it was just not words um, because it's not. I pray that we would realize, particularly us who are believers, particularly us who have a relationship with you, or at least who profess that we do, um, that you care deeply for us, you know, and we are in Christ, and that's a huge deal. And uh, I just pray that our lives, pray that my life will reflect that, because many times it does not. And so uh, I pray, Lord, that I will live a life that reflects um, all the benefits that I have in your Son, and I pray that equally that each student here will do the same. And this is your name we pray. Amen. Amen.